Welcome to episode 47 of Pod Your Own Adventure. Today's episode, Outlaws of Sherwood Forest, by Ellen Kushner. Hello, hello and welcome back to Pod Your Own Adventure. My name's Tom. And an interesting fact about me is that this weekend I was at the MCM Expo in Telford. The best costume that I saw was somebody dressed as Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. My guest today is part of the Regular Features podcast and freelance games writer person. Go Hoggerty Wilderty for Steve Hoggerty. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How's it going? <laughs> I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm really glad that you, you mispronounced my name for the sake of a pun. For the purpose of the joke, I had to mispronounce your name. I'm sorry about that. That's fine. I think it worked. It definitely worked. Yeah. How's it going? Uh, I'm good. My my fact isn't about myself. It's rather about pancakes because today is Pancake Tuesday. Uh, of course, the, the day that this episode should be coming out will be Pancake Tuesday. So how timely of you, Steve? Well, wrap your brain around this one. The first pancakes were called Alita Dulcia in Latin. They were made by the Romans in the first century AD. So it's very likely that uh, Jesus himself indulged in a pancake every now and then. <laughs> he scuffed one down every now and then, yeah. That seems that seems okay. Like, pancakes uh, they seem like quite a homely meal, I suppose. Yeah, and I think Just... they're, they're fairly secular as far as, uh, <laughs> yeah. as foodstuffs go. Heat them up on a plate, there you go. Everybody can enjoy them. Yeah. Right. Including our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> uh, um, I just remember now that I wanted to introduce you as karate expert and enemy of Gamergate, but <laughs> damn it. Let's start the show again. <laughs> I don't mind if you want to go back and do that. That's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> Maybe we will. Okay. Um, if this is your first time listening to the show, then hello. What I'll do is every week I get on a different guest and a different choose-your-own-adventure choose book and read through them together. The guest makes the choices. I read through the book, and we both crack wise as we go through the adventure. <laughs> We've both got a mutual friend uh, who lives in Nottingham, so I feel like a story about Robin Hood is appropriate. Definitely. Maybe. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, you know, I know next to nothing about Robin Hood, um, <laughs> so this should be educational for me. Um, Friar Tuck, is that one of his friends? Or is that a completely uh, different thing? I'm pretty sure that was one of his friends. Um, I think he's also an anthropomorphic fox. That's um, and his friends is a bear. I think that's when I think of Robin Hood. I do think of the fox. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. Um, it was a, an awakening of sorts for quite a lot of people as well. Maybe. <laughs> what sort of awakening are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we, all, we all had a crush on the fox. Let's admit it. He was cool. He was a really cool fox. He was a lovely fox. Yeah, and he <laughs> shot a bow and arrow and. Then there was the bit where he does the archery and he shoots the arrow and it goes through the other one. Oh, lovely. Yeah. He was good at the old arrows, wasn't he? Yeah, that's how he got his reputation, Robin Hood, because he's always robbing people with the bow and arrow. Yeah. I don't think that's entirely <laughs> accurate, but I'll go with it. That's good. Yeah, I like it. It sounds like it could be accurate. <laughs> right. Shall we start the page one? Yeah, go for it. Cool. All right. So, oh yeah, um, Choose Your Adventure is an American company, so I think... That we are a young American boy who will go to Sherwood Forest, possibly. Because it starts like this. Camp stinks. Your parents said, Go dear, you'll have a wonderful time eating other kids and roasting marshmallows. 
They didn't say anything about giant mosquitoes and cramped cabins and forced swims in ice-cold water. So like a fool, you went. Well, it's, yeah, like... I think it's your own fault for going to a camp called Camp Stinks. <laughs> Excellent point. You should like, have gone camp... to Camp Awesome, I'd say. Yeah, going to camps like this is very much an American deal, isn't it? Like, Yeah, summer camps and camps named after, like, Native American tribes and things. Well, it's funny you say that because the place is called Camp Yuchikui. There we go. But, but to you, it is Camp Yucky Fooey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> kids are rebel. <laughs> Most of the other kids are creeps. Just because this is your first year, they treat you like a second-class citizen, and they're always trying to get you in trouble with the counsellors. To make things worse, the food really stinks. Everything is covered with a gooey cream sauce so you can't tell how badly it's been burned. You wish you could disappear. Actually, you wish everyone else in the place would disappear. Because oh, no. of the area. He's making wishes, he's making wishes. <laughs> this <laughs> is what happened in Home Alone. <laughs> the, camp is surround- the area is really kind of pretty. The camp is surrounded by a deep dark forest and there's a clear stream running through it. You'd like to walk off into those woods and never come back, but they'd probably call up the dogs or the FBI and corner you like a rat, and the kids would laugh at you, and your parents would cut off your allowance for life. And knowing the FBI, you'd probably get shot. Like, <laughs> Oh no, how horrible. <laughs> also, having your allowance cut off for life, probably won't need to worry about that for about another ten years, yeah, I'd hope. That's going to cut off like naturally at a point in your, uh, <laughs> in your adolescence, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Only two things make life bearable, your new camera and archery practice. The camera was a birthday present from your parents. It's a pocket instamatic with a built-in flash, and you carry it with you everywhere. Archery is great because you turn out to be very, very good at it. The best in camp. And Judy, the archery coach, says that if you keep practicing hard, you'll soon be as good as she is. No, no one's as good as Judy. (laughs) (laughs) Judy's the best around. She's, She's renowned for her archery abilities. I kind of feel like that's... Maybe not irresponsible, but probably could be better than saying, talking to the kids saying, yeah, if you keep doing this, you'll be nearly as good as I am. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> like, maybe this guy, maybe the, we can, as a player, can exceed her abilities at archery. Yeah. And I dare say a brief stint in Sherwood Forest is going to help us with that. <laughs> what could give you that idea? <laughs> I, I say aim for the stars mm. with your bow and arrow and then yeah. shoot one of them. Well, that, that just means your arrow is going to land in a random place. <laughs> will severely injure someone. <laughs> it's called a volley, I believe. Okay. Today you've got permission to skip team sports so you can practice some more. You have five white arrows in your quiver and your sixth is notched and ready. You aim carefully. Just as you release the shot, a soccer ball comes flying from the nearby field and hits you in the back. As you con- Oh, turn to page four. Your shot goes wild and your favourite arrow flies off into the woods. Your favourite arrow? Everyone's got a favourite arrow. I don't think you should get attached to them too much, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think any one of your arrows should be distinct. <laughs> that means it's faulty in some way. I think you are allowed to write your like somebody's name on it, but only if you shoot them with it. That's the law. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you do that, it becomes legal. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing to do but go search for your arrow. Fifteen minutes later, you're still looking. In the distance, you can hear the Arts and Crafts Councillor yelling that it's time to go make igloos out of popsicle sticks. If you ignore and keep looking, you may get into trouble. But if you leave the area in the mornings overnight, the, the morning dew will ruin it. Maybe you could wait till everyone's asleep, then sneak back and search for the arrow by moonlight. So you can either look for our arrow right now, or you can sneak out in the middle of the night and search for it in the light of the moon. Well, igloos 
shouldn't be made out of popsicle sticks. They should be made out of ice cubes. <laughs> yeah, well, they're making their own houses. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the sound of this, uh, this igloo activity that's that's lined up for us. <laughs> uh, I think we should pursue the arrow immediately. All right. No time like the present. Exactly. Ignoring the arts and crafts counselor's insistent calling, you plunge deeper into the woods. Your eyes on the undergrowth. Still no arrow. Could you really have shot it this far? The trees are close together in this part of the forest, and it's hard to push your way between them. You're getting hot and sticky. Maybe it's time to give up and go back. But when you turn around, you can't even see the archery field. Vainly, you try to remember whether moss grows on the north or south side of trees. Not that it would help. You don't know. <laughs> You've been gone for two minutes. You don't need to start looking at moss. <laughs> okay, so checking whether it grows on the north or the south side of the tree. Also, is this the edible kind? I need to sustain myself in the forest. <laughs> he's just gone feral. He's been standing in a forest for 20 seconds. He's already <laughs> gnawing at the bark of a tree. We come out looking like Robin Williams in Jumanji. <laughs> With a beard. We're 12 years old. <laughs> yes. Screaming. <laughs> so, was there a choice there? Or are uh, we still not yet. On the way you don't to... know which direction Camp Uchikui is, is anyway. What you are is lost. <sighs> Using your bow to push aside the tree branches, you try to make your way back to camp, but nothing looks familiar, and now you're really tired. Finally, you reach a clearing. Rich green grass dotted with flowers, the perfect place to rest. Gratefully, you sink to the ground. That's funny, you think. The flowers seem to be growing in a circle, but they smell wonderful. Bees are humming, the sun is warm. Before you know it, you're asleep. That's a bloody portal, that is. <laughs> Possibly. This is really... I don't want to say irresponsible of us, because we don't... we're a child, we don't have any responsibilities. Um, I'll just go with stupid instead. Just going for a sleep. Well, I mean, we're on a mission to look for an arrow, and now we're snoozing in a ring of sweet-smelling flowers. <laughs> we're definitely going to get arrested. I think so. You open your eyes to find you're not alone. A tall, bearded man is standing on the other side of the clearing. He's dressed all in green with high leather boots, and he doesn't look like the sort of person your counsellors would want you to associate with. Which is... (laughs) Quite correct, yes. That's one hell of an introduction. (laughs) He looks like someone I shouldn't be talking to. (laughs) Good grief. You're about to run when he calls out, Hold, knave! Are you a fool to trespass here in Sherwood Forest, or do you flee from the Sheriff of Nottingham? Sherwood Forest? Nottingham? This guy must be nuts. Oh, you know the legend of Robin Hood and his band of outlaws. They lived in Sherwood Forest and were always being chased by the cruel sheriff from the nearby of the nearby town of Nottingham, but that was supposed to be hundreds of years ago in medieval England, and it was only a story. Dot dot dot. Wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But this crazy man in the woods challenging everything I held to be true. Wearing a green tunic, holding a bow and arrow, calling me a knave. Rubbing my eyes and going, You're not sure what's going on, but you'd better give the man an answer. He's holding a bow about twice the size of yours. Well, that's how they defined rank as well in medieval times. Of course, the king has got a bow that they need three people to carry. (laughs) He's got the biggest bow in the land. (laughs) If you think it's best to play along with him, go to page 14. Or do you think your only hope is to run? Well. Uh, Well, this man could be either one of two things. He could be a uh, sex offender, if Mm -hmm. we're in the land of reality. (laughs) Or if we have indeed ended up in... Uh, the fantasy land of Sherwood Forest, then it's the Sheriff of Nottingham. 
And in both cases, these are people to be avoided. Um, hmm. So I would say we should run from this man. Okay. That's not unreasonable. You scramble to your feet and head for the cover of the woods. As you duck under the first branches, a strong arm swings you up into a tree and pins you there. Well now, here's a fine deer to catch in Sherwood, says your captor. He is also wearing green and carrying a bow. Ah, they're in a gang, I see. <laughs> Little John, he calls the other man. Go back to the camp. I would have a word with this scamp. These people certainly dress and act like Robin Hood's men. Even if it's only a game, it might be fun to play along. Uh, sure. <laughs> I can I can tell we're being sort of nudged towards playing along with these people. <laughs> <laughs> I have travelled from the dreadful forest of Yuchikui to join your brave band, you say. I may seem like a child, but my heart is bold and I am a great archer in my own land. Well, the archery did say the archery coach did say you're best in the camp. If the man laughs, you'll die. Instead, whoa! If the man laughs, you'll die. That's Good grief! Got very serious all of a sudden. Yeah, it's not like Renaissance in... Fair. This is like this is serious. <laughs> like, stop playing around, kid. <laughs> Instead, he nods thoughtfully and says, Your words are good, but let us see how well you bend a bow. There is a fierce light in his eyes, and suddenly you wish you'd be a bit, little bit more modest. Under page 29. Let's see how well you bend a bow. Yeah. It's that fancy talk for fire and arrow. Fire and arrow. I mean, you pull the string back and that bends it, so... I can do that without... I can do that over my (laughs) knee. I can bend a bow really well over my knee. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go... Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he's done a pretty good job of it. Is you just, like, twist it around. Yeah. Snap it. I could, I could snap a bow in half. <laughs> That's how good That's I am impressive. at bending a bow, yeah. yeah. The man in green lets you down out of the tree. Then he shoots an arrow straight across the clearing. There's your target, he says. Hit it, or come as close as you can. Hit it? You can barely see it. But you aim carefully and shoot. To your amazement, not only does your arrow land right next to his, but it nicks his arrow's feathers. Truly a marvellous display, says the man. Beginner's luck, you mutter under your breath. Ooh, don't mutter things, he might hear you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Like, uh, why would we be saying that about ourselves? We're supposed to be the best archer in camp, come on. Yeah, but I think we have maybe gained a few extra archery abilities, uh, having been transported to Sherwood Forest. I think possibly we've, we've been imbued with some sort of... Uh, Special talents. <laughs> just everybody in the medieval times were really good at shooting arrows. Yeah, it's just like an innate buff that everyone gets <laughs> in the medieval times. You're also pretty good with, with like a long sword, I think. Or maybe it's like if we're in Robin Hood's, like in the vicinity of him, then he sends off an aura of mm. marksmanship, possibly. effect marksmanship boost for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you have ruined an arrow in Robin Hood's quiver, the man says. Yet I count it no loss, for you shall be my new arrow. He slaps you on the back. He's going to fire us. Yeah. He's going to fire us out of the king's bow. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't believe it. You've shot against Robin Hood himself. Follow me, says Robin. We'll join the rest of my merry band deep in Sherwood Forest. Okay then. Please, sir. You say I'd like to join your band and live in Sherwood Forest. Robin smiles. Good. Then pick up your bow and place your right hand upon it. Now, do you swear to steal only from the rich, to give to the poor, and to never betray a fellow outlaw by the strength of your right hand and your hope of heaven? You feel the chill run up the back, run up your back at the solemn words. I do, you say profoundly. It is well, he claps you on the shoulder in a comradely fashion. Then follow me to our secret camp, where you can meet the others. Yes. 
he I think Robin Hood practiced that. <laughs> I bet Robin Hood lives for the moments where he can like say this spiel. Yeah, asking people to pledge for us. Well, he's only got a very small number of how many merry men has he got? Uh, pff, probably like a dozen. It's enough probably for less a, than that. A band, isn't it? It's a band of merry men. Yeah. So he's only had to say that a few times. Yeah, but maybe the merry men also keep getting shot with arrows, and That's he, true. he's maybe having to replace them. Replace with them with new merry men with children. <laughs> children he finds in the woods. <laughs> Can you shoot a bow and arrow? Good enough. Come on. It is well, he claps in the shoulder. Follow me to our secret camp. Robin Hood moves swiftly through the forest. His feet never make a sound, although every step you take makes noise like an elephant crunching a ton of peanut shells. Bloody bloody children. Clumsy. At the outlaw camp, you're made welcome. Little John is there, along with many of the band. You meet Friar Tuck, Alan Adale, and a cheerful redhead man called Will Scarlet. There is a big fire with a whole deer roasting over it. Someone cuts you a slice. It's delicious. You have to eat it with your fingers, but no one seems to mind when the juice runs down your chin. Alright. Biggest bow in the land. Juice (laughs) running down the chin. Scary men with beards. I think there is something in those flowers. (laughs) A a very disturbing psychological break that uh, we're having right now. Possibly, yeah. Across the fire from you is an old man. His hair and beard are long and white, and his features are in shadow, but his eyes glimmer like stars. Okay, so that's. I think that we just lay down in like <laughs> among some characters and just n- nibbled on some peyote, possibly. <laughs> His eyes glimmer like stars. God. Mm. Who's that? You ask, Will Scarlet, pointing to the old man. Where? That's little John. No, in front of him. Will gives you a funny look. There's no one there, he says. Now come. Robin's making plans for tomorrow's raids. You don't want to be left out, do you? He hurries off. You look back across the fire. The old man is still there, smiling strangely at you. So we can either follow Will, or we can investigate the mysterious old man first. I think that, that definitely warrants investigation. A man that no one else can see. That, in fact, yeah. that's, that's the weirdest thing that's happening right now. It's like, it's, <laughs> out, of, out of everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the, the, the weirdness of being ratcheted at an exponential rate. So yeah. if we don't nip this in the bud, uh, who knows where <laughs> it's going to go after this. So. Yeah, this is just a slippery slope. Yeah, Like... We're looking at this old man with sparkly eyes, and we're just going, yeah, that's the strange thing. We we seem to be playing along with the having gone back in time. That's just, like, that's washed over us, apparently. Yeah. Um, also, you named a, cu- a couple of the Merry Men. Um, mm-hmm. Who remembers, was it Adam Adale or something? Alan Adale. Alan Ad- Is he really one? <laughs> I never heard of him. <laughs> I Yeah, that's the first I've heard of his name before as well. I'm going to Google this quickly. Yeah. Real-time Googling on the podcast. <laughs> Famous uh, member of Robin Hood's band of merry men, Alan. <laughs> Bloody Alan. Um, okay, no, no. He was the cockerel in uh, Robin Hood. Oh. Of course. Okay. That's yeah. how That's how I know <laughs> characters <laughs> from Robin Hood. The animals that they are in the Disney movie, yeah. Yeah. I'm also going to look up Will Scarlet so I can see which one he was. Uh, was he Will also Scarlet. a fox? Um, I don't know. I don't think they could saturate it with so many foxes. Um, just bring, give me a picture of Baloo from The Lion King. What is, what? Oh, no. In the Jungle Book. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant to say. I'm sorry. They gave me a picture of characters in The Jungle Book. This isn't Robin Hood at all. Oh, but they did effectively re- reuse characters, didn't they? 
There is yeah. a there are some scenes where they basically rotoscoped over the same animation. That's true, yeah. Ugh, lazy. Yeah, I don't think Will Scarlet was in the the original Robin Hood story. Yeah. <laughs> the one by Disney. They're playing fast and loose with uh with historical <laughs> facts. With the canon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the old man across the fire perfectly clearly. He's still smiling at you, so you go over to talk to him. Greetings, my child, he says. I see you have found the way here. You must be brave now, and strong and cunning. Do not forget your oath to Robin Hood. But if your courage should fail you, call upon the words of power to return you to your native land. What words of power, you say? I don't know any magic. They are words of your own making, bitter words of unhappiness. Use them only as a last resort. You still don't know what he means. But before you can ask, a spark jumps out of the fire and lands in the dry grass near your feet. You hurry to step on it, and when you look up, the old man is gone. Right, he was giving us a way out of this madness, wasn't he? That was yeah. definitely a worthwhile interaction. Possibly, but also that was... Uh, that was that was exactly what it was. We were talking to a weird old man by a fire mm. who so nobody else could see. He exists between the dimensions of <laughs> Sherwood Forest and reality. Possibly, yes. He realises that we are not from this place. Mm. As a like, if... as 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 an expert in 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 these matters, Tom, as a as a mm-hmm. choose your own adventure expert, do these do these men crop up very often? Mysterious men with beards that explain, say, explain the concept of the story. Yeah, and tell you this is how you can exit the story safely. Um, I think this might be. It doesn't happen that commonly. Um, I think what is going to happen though is that we are going to have a completely different story. To be just uh, followed after Robin Hood and his merry men straight away. So, like, maybe we'll meet the king in this one. Maybe mm. if we just follow them straight away, we would get shot and killed by a gun. Well, you, you don't know what happened to um, Little John, Richard, yeah. Little Big John. Um, <laughs> no, it's Richard Big John Richard. and li- and Little John in Rob- Robin Hood's Merry Men. Okay. After a moment's hesitation, you hurry after Will Scarlet and the other outlaws. Oh, says Will, there you are. We thought you'd been carried off by old Nilrem. Who's that, you ask? He's a mysterious character who's supposed to haunt Sherwood, giving people strange advice. Some say he's a wizard. Some say he's one of the fair folk. I say he's a product of one too many mugs of ale. Oh, you start to say something about the old man, but Robin Hood is beginning to speak, and you tend to listen. Alright, so just quickly before we go on, um, one of the... One of the regulars in the show is actually called Merlin in real life. So I just want to say now, whenever I say, oh, piss off Merlin in these books, <laughs> I'm not talking to you. <laughs> You're lovely. But to be fair, piss off, Norm. <laughs> My merry men, I have word that the royal tax collector will be passing through Sherwood tomorrow noon, laden with bags of gold. He will be guarded by an escort of soldiers, but with our knowledge of the wood, we can set a trap for them. I cannot promise there will be no danger, but Little John is in command of the raid, and he needs volunteers. I myself will go to Brampton as usual to bring the poor the gold, to bring the poor there the gold I have promised them. Oh no, you won't," says a voice. The band of outlaws gasps, and Robin shakes his fist. Who dares to contradict Robin Hood? He demands. I mean, to be fair, who dares? Yeah. I dare," says Fred Tuck, pushing forward. I hear there have been spies in Brampton. Strangers asking about Robin Hood. It might be the sheriff's men who set a trap for you. And I say, send someone else. Or, if you must go, at least take one of our band with you to be lookout. Let it be one of the new recruits. Someone who won't be recognised as one of us. You strike a hard bargain, but so be it, Tuck. That wasn't a hard bargain. 
No, that was just it was, he was just like telling you things. That was a request with no <laughs> he had no bargaining tools available to him. <laughs> Robin flings his arm up heroically. Now who's for Little John and the tax collector's gold, and who's for for for, for me and the poor of Brampton? And who, he laughs, wants to stay by the fire all day and get fat? Uh I mean eat just staying behind and eating stuff is probably preferable to getting shot. It does, is, is, is that really an option? I feel like that, that... <laughs> <laughs> I wish it's never, all around it's never you... wise to play that safe is it yeah all around you men are stepping forward offering to go with little John you're about to join them when Will Scarlet nudges you here's your chance he says your face is not yet known in Brampton you could go with Robin Hood so we can offer to go with little John or we can volunteer to go with Robin Hood um, hmm. little John is going to what thump a tax collector I think we're all going to thump a tax collector, but Little John says that there are spies, so... Oh, okay. Well, I kind of want to just hang out with Robin Hood for a while. He is yeah. the coolest one. Like, Little John is sounds but... lovely, sounds like a nice guy, but he's not the... He's not Little John the... doesn't get B- he doesn't get BBC series named after him, does exactly. he? Exactly, so... yeah. Alright, so we're chilling out with Robin Hood then. Definitely. Okay. Who, yeah, who wouldn't choose... Robin Hood. I want to meet that person. (laughs) Sir, you say to Robin Hood, let me come with you. I'm the newest of the band, and I could watch for spies without being recognised. Robin accepts your offer, and while you both change into beggars' rags, he explains that it is the custom for beggars to sit on the church steps, and hold out a bowl for people to drop coins into. You don't understand how this is going to help distribute gold to the poor, but Robin smiles and tells you that you'll see soon enough. After a long walk through the forest, you come to the town of Brampton. It isn't what you would call a town... Just a dozen huts, a church, and a blacksmith's shop. Robin sits down on the church steps and holds out his begging bowl, but it is full of coins. Instead of putting money into it as they pass by, the poor peasants take Robin's coins out. All the while, Robin is calling out, Arms for the poor, help a poor man down in his luck. And you're watching to see if there's anything suspicious going on. Out of the corner of your eye, you notice a well-dressed man lurking outside of the church. It seems though he's trying to watch Robin without being seen. Is he the spy Fred Tuck heard about? Maybe better warn Robin so he can escape. Suddenly the man slips away towards the forest. Maybe be better for you to follow him. That's where you'll know for certain what he's up to. Mm. Right, so we can I, tell... I do have to point out that, that saying arms for the poor while giving the, the money away to the poor people is really clever. Yeah. Um, it's not Bloody a great Robin system Hood. for redistribution of wealth. <laughs> uh, it works in a very localised area. But I can I, I appreciate the uh, the sort of the the reverse of meaning that he's that he's that he's used that he's employed there. Mm. Yeah. Maybe also, he's saying arms a um a l m s. He's not requesting that poor people come along so they can take the gold arms. and then spend that on a big bow and arrow. I yeah. guess. Yeah, I've never I've heard the the, the phrase arms as in a l m s for the poor mm. before. But I've never bothered to look up what an arm is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I need to check something quickly. Hang on. Right. Robin Hood's um, adaptations. Popular culture, that's probably what I mean. Okay, so this book came out in 1985. That's a Disney film. I need to know. <laughs> Uh, 1973. 73. It's the weird thing about the animated films, isn't it? They're really hard to place when they get Yeah. Apart from, like, uh, CG ones where it's all kind of ropey uh, in the early stages. 
yeah, like the animated films are pretty much good all, all the way. Yeah, like That's when you the compare thing, the original Toy Story to uh, the most recent one, yeah, and you see the how amazingly detailed or not detailed the originals are. <laughs> yeah, like all the people in the original ones look really janky as well, which kind of gives it a charm. I think I'm com- I could probably quote the entirety of Toy Story front to back. I watched that film way too many times when I was a kid. <laughs> It is a, a brilliant film. Yeah. This is the Toy Story love-in hour, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you want to tell Robin Hood about the mysterious man in, in nice clothes? Or do we just follow him and not tell him what's going on? I think Robin Hood will appreciate our initiative if we let Robin do his funny arms of the poor reversal trick while we go investigate this uh, mysterious man. Okay. So we're not telling him, we're just going to go? No, just don't distract him (laughs) from his business. (laughs) You follow the man you think is a spy, past the edge of town and all the way to an old deserted mill. You creep up to a crack in the wall and listen as he tells someone, the outlaw Robin Hood is in Brampton now, disguised as a beggar. Move swiftly and you will capture him, and I will have my reward. The old man is very dusty. Before you can stop yourself, you give a triple sneeze. Triple sneeze? Oh my god. (laughs) The dreaded you... triple sneeze. <laughs> if you do a quad sneeze, and it actually kills you. Oh yeah, that's yeah. it's like one for sorrow, two for joy. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's three for a triple sneeze, alerting the dusty man to your presence. Four for immediate death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how the saying goes. <laughs> Immediately, strong hands seize you and haul you inside. A spy, the men exclaim. They tie you up and put a gag in your mouth. The sheriff has no room in his jail for children, they sneer. We'll release you once you have taken the outlaw Robin Hood. But the man you followed leans over and whispers, You will never be released. No one must know that it was I who betrayed Robin. Night falls, and then another day comes. The mill is full of mice. By the time anyone looks for you here, all they will find is your bones. The end. Oh, damn. This is my fault for not keeping Robin Hood updated with my locations and movements. Eaten alive by mice. There you go. That's, That's... Grim. Unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a clue there that it was indeed one of the merry men who was mm. uh who was stabbing Robin in the back. Yeah. Oh. That's I'm sorry, I drove <laughs> I just drove this story into a <laughs> It's okay. Quite I kept a my horrific on... death for a child. I kept my finger on the there are plenty more horrific deaths for children in this. I kept my finger on the page. Do you want to see what happens if we tell Robin that first? Yeah. Yeah, let's okay. let's be clingy. Let's yeah. Let's send Robin. <laughs> let's add him on. Find a friend and yeah. keep him updated into a, every inch of our movements, like big oh. pathetic weenies. <laughs> okay. While pretending to put money in Robin's beggar's bowl, you lean over and whisper, "I saw someone watching you from the corner of the church." Then he slipped away. I think he might be up to something. Before Robin can answer, you hear a horn and the thunder of hooves. Five men on horseback sweep into the town, their swords drawn and raised. In the name of the Sheriff of Nottingham and of, and of Prince John of England, we come to rest the outlaw Robin Hood, one shouts. Let no man hinder us on peril of his life. Robin carries a sword under his rags, but he can't fight off five men without help. Across the square is the blacksmith's shop, full of half-finished swords, horseshoes, and iron bars. You're sure to find a weapon there, but can you reach the shop in time? Quick, Robin whispers, into the church and lock the door. So, do we follow Robin into the church, or do we run to the blacksmith's shop to get a weapon? Uh, hmm, well... As an aside, I, I do hate it when 
the time time doesn't match up in two decisions. So in, yeah. in the first decision where he went to die, he had time to follow him to this barn. He told the people where Robin Hood was. But if we tell Robin Hood, almost immediately his location is, is given away and the guards yeah. show up. Yeah, we get jumped. So that's so. ridiculous. Y- yes. <laughs> and I feel like I've already learned a lesson to stick with Robin Hood. Yeah. Do um, he says. He's been doing this for a long while. Yeah. So I think I'm going to follow him into the church. Okay. You and Robin Hood locked the church door behind you and bar the shutters on the windows. The sheriff's men pounded the door, yelling threats. But Robin says you're safe. They will not harm us here in the sanctuary of the church, he explains. But I, th- I must think what to do. We cannot stay here forever. If you're lucky, one of the Brampton folk will run into Sherwood to ask my men for help. But we cannot plan on that. While Robin tries to work out a plan, you prowl around the church. Then you smell smoke. smoke. The curs, Robin cries. They have set green wood alight around the church to smoke us out. Now there'll be no air left to breathe. Alas, it is a sorry day for England when such fiends represent the king's justice. Green wood. Green. Green I've not heard that before. Especially smoky wood. Yeah. So these guys are okay with burning down a church, but it means that they'll get Robin Hood. Yeah. Have we choked to death? Not yet. Okay. It will be a sorry day for us if we don't get out of here, you say. I found a tiny window at the back of the church. Maybe they're watching it. You can't get through, but I can. I'll squeeze through and run to Sherwood for help. No, says Robin. It's too dangerous. They will shoot you on sight, and maybe help is on the way. So we can either stay with Robin Hood and wait, or we can go through the window by ourselves. I think we have to go through that window. I I think Robin Hood is um, perhaps blinded by his regard for our safety. Mm. But the reality of the situation is the green wood is producing a lot of smoke. Yeah. <laughs> and we do need to... Uh, to uh, to get the word out to the boys to come help exactly. us. Exactly. Can't really... That's the thing about smoke. You're not meant to breathe it, so... No. And if, if we could give some parting advice to Robin on the way out the window, we'll be get down as low to the floor as possible. Yeah. That's vital information if you're ever caught in a fire or somebody's trying to set green smoke around your house for whatever reason. Exactly. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Robin Hood gives you his horn to summon help once you reach the forest. Then, very carefully, you squeeze yourself through the window and drop silently to the ground. No one sees you. The sheriff's men are all at the front of the church, waiting for Robin Hood to come out. You creep around the edge of the town, then run toward the cover of the woods. You run so hard there's a terrible stitch in your side by the time you reach Sherwood. With your last breath, you blow Robin's hunting horn. In a moment, the outlaws come running. When you tell them what's happened, they set off at once for Brampton to rescue their leader. Still panting from a desperate run, you lie down on the forest floor in the middle of a circle of sweet-smelling flowers. You're only meant to rest for a moment, but soon you're asleep. When you wake up, it is night, and the full moon is shining brightly. You must have fallen asleep instead of looking for your arrow. And what a strange dream you had, all about Robin Hood. You decide you'd better get back to camp, put your bow back in the sports shack, and sneak back into your cabin. Then you notice that it's not your camp bow that's in your hand, it's an old, old hunting horn. (gasps) It was a dream. No, it wasn't a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow, you don't think there's much point in showing it to the camp directors, or explaining how you left valuable camp property in Sherwood Forest. Besides, you're planning to go back and get the bow and arrows just as soon as you can figure out how. The end. Oh. Wow. Imagine that. That's, um... That's... The uh, the camera that we own, that didn't come in to use at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was expecting that to, um... I don't Take maybe, a selfie with Robin Hood. Because did, did it mention there's a flash in it? I it's got, like, so. a built-in flash. I, that might have been the case, actually, yeah. 
I, was, I definitely thought we were going to use the built-in flash to... Um, oh, yeah. yeah. The pocket instamat The pocket instamatic with a built-in flash, yeah. That's basically wizardry. Yeah, that. I think we would astonish a wizard at some point with that. Yeah. Um, if we ever got to meet one. Hmm. All right, so I kept my finger on the page. Do you want to go back to an earlier bit in the book where we and like make a choice? So we can either stay with Robin Hood or we can yeah. say, I'm going to go with Little John or we can do whatever. Well, let's go Let's go with Little John. All right, let me try and find that one first. Uh, all right. All right, if you go with Little John, turn to page 11. Here we go. Okay. Right. You join the men who will help Little John re- relieve the tax collector of the people's gold. Because things... Let me start that one again. That was really weirdly written. <laughs> like, relieve is in quotation marks. Oh, um, like it's being cheeky. Like, yeah. Oh, like, we're going to steal the gold from him. Also, but I thought it was somebody saying relieve. <laughs> so, Little John's problem with the tax collector, I mean, I think is at odds with Robin Hood's ideology. Possibly. The, the tax collector is... Uh, I guess if the... If the system of government is set up in the wrong way, he's not really serving the poor, is he? But he is collecting taxes that are to be used in it uh, to, I don't know, build roads and things? That well, this is the thing. That poor people. The, 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 the taxes, I presume, are all going to the king. He just sits in a giant pile of money. Yeah. Whereas um, it's, instead of using it on the roads properly, because wasn't the, the thing that um, the king's brother, who was the one that everybody loved, was oh, yeah. off fighting wars... So the king that was sitting in his place was just being like, num, 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 money. Yeah. And he was, he was eating entire gold coins. Oh, he was. He was swallowing the gold coins. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, <sighs> so I, I, the, obviously it's a noble ideology taking from the rich and giving to the poor. But I dare say that the story of Robin Hood paints uh, tax collectors and indeed socialism in a, in a bad light. Yes, I I think so. It's very um, it's very libertarian story, I suppose, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's yeah. I think take take the law into your own hands, stab tax collectors, and live in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> where, many of where no many laws have, apply to you. <laughs> many of have asked, "Who is Robin Hood?" <laughs> I am here before you. God. You join the men who will help Little John relieve the tax collector of the people's gold. Because things may get rough, and you've never been in a battle before, John posts you up in a tree at the edge of the forest. When you see the tax collector entering Sherwood, you're supposed to blow a bird's call whistle to warn the outlaws, who are hidden deeper in the forest among the thick trees. Soon you see a trail of dust on the Nottingham Road. It turns out to be a troop of armed guards. A man in fine clothes rides in their mist, his saddlebags bulging. It's the tax collector, and he's well guarded. Bastard! <laughs> like ever since I've just realised the objectivist slants to the entire Robin Hood story <laughs> this is just a whole new light mm. God, bloody Ayn Rand reading <laughs> yes. he stops his horse right under your tree you hold your breath thinking hard obviously you can't give the signal while he's right there maybe you could do something even better jump down on top of him push him off the horse and ride away with all the gold yourself it's a trick you saw on TV it didn't look hard and it works just great on the other hand, you're new to this outlaw business. Maybe you better stick to the original plan and blow the whistle once the tax collector enters the forest. So we can either do a cool trick and steal a horse and then ride away, <laughs> or we can stick to the plan. 
I've never, I've never done this before. I've never seen a horse before. I've, <laughs> I've never, never ridden a tax collector before. <laughs> um, I've seen it on TV, and I reckon I could do it. <laughs> like, it's never mentioned that we've been able to ride a horse before, so this is no. it's a terrible idea. Yeah, it wasn't like the one thing that you were good at was archery. Mm-hmm. And I, I bet they have horse riding at the camp, and um, that just was that never came up. Yeah. So, um, what was the alternative to it? It was blowing the horn. Yeah, it was sticking to the plan and waiting for him to go on for a bit, and then blowing blowing a whistle. Yeah, wait for him to go on for a bit. I mean, his horse is is laden with gold. Um, exactly. Yeah, he's not going to go very far. Precisely. Just, just don't freak out about it. Wait, let him <laughs> move down about a hundred meters or so. Or they probably use yards in Sherwood Forest. And um, I think so. Yeah. Blow the horn. Silently, you wait in the tree for the tax collector's decision. Oh, very well, he says at last. The sooner we get through the woods, the sooner I'll sit down to a nice hot meal. Be on the lookout for outlaws. As the last guard passes under the shadow of your tree, you raise the whistle to your lips and blow a delicate bird call. You hear the answering signal repeated three times. Not long after, you hear shouting. But soon it is quiet, and John gives the call for all is well. Back at the camp, you find that little John has returned the guards to Nottingham, tied backward on their horses. He's invited the tax collector to the noontime feast, since, as he puts it, "'Tis your own gold that pays for it." The terrified tax collector says he is not hungry. Oh. Wow, psychological torture there from yeah, little John. Yeah. <laughs> Suit yourself, says John. There's many a poor soul that's hungry enough because of the likes of you. <laughs> oh, tax, tax is evil. Who says the sweat of your brow should deser- deserves to go to the king? <laughs> this man right here. <laughs> little John's eating, literally eating the sweat off your brow. <laughs> Oh my god, the tax collector's there tied to a chair and little John just licks his face. <laughs> Nutritious tax collector's sweat. <laughs> it tastes like money. <laughs> little John ties the man to a tree and the rest of you sit down to enjoy an excellent meal. Not bad for your first morning's work as an outlaw of Sherwood Forest. The end. It said the, it said the title of the book. Oh, I do like when they do that. Yeah. Like, I'm so sick of all these Star Wars. Like um, when uh, the film ends, and Frodo finally realised it was he who was the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> um, that's not an ending. We're still we're trapped in an alternate dimension, far from our that's, family yeah. and friends. That's an ending that really should be the start of a different book altogether. But. <laughs> Uh, yes, that, that implies that you that you stay in this reality. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah. And again, the camera goes unused. Yeah. I wonder if the camera was an oversight. <laughs> Maybe. Do you see what happens if we try to Shanghai this person's horse? Uh, yeah, let's do that. I think that's not going to go very well. Um, yeah. I mean, we already had a really good ending where we make a lot of money by stealing it back from the. The bloody government. Yeah, that's true. And we've had an ending where we go back to camp with the horn. <laughs> <laughs> Having been sitting in the woods for a while. Yeah, um, bring back a souvenir in the middle of the night as well. Yeah. And also we never find out if the if the outlaws saved Robin Hood. Yeah, Robin Hood chokes to death in a, ch- in a church. Yeah, they, so. they find his charred remains. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Holding your breath, you drop from the tree and land on the tax collector's back. Give me the, gro- the gold, you growl, or I'll... Of course you don't have a knife, but you jab your whistle into the man's side and hope it's convincing. He screams, take the gold, take it, spare my life. 
Aha, you think. This isn't so hard after all. Oh, you'll what? Says the captain of the guard, picking up by the scruff of your shirt. Play green sleeves off key. He has called your bluff. Bugger. That was (laughs) such a zing. (laughs) Like, I feel like the guard rehearsed that one. Like, he just sits at home thinking of all the different opportunities. All the different pointed objects that could be placed in someone's back that aren't a knife. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a whistle. Oh, yes. Green sleeves out of key. Yeah, that's a good one. Excellent. If it's a banana, what are you going to do? Slip on on me. Slip slip on it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, if he comes on with a purse, what are you going to do? Beg for some money, I guess? Oh. He's got an entire, like... So this... he, he pulls a scroll out of his bag with all his zingers and just, like, bounces along the floor and rolls away for a few feet. Yeah, I mean, this this guard has had entire evenings to dedicate to coming up with these one-liners. <laughs> we, we're placed ourselves on the spot here by trying to, yeah. trying to do the same in a matter of seconds. People in the Middle Ages didn't really have much to do in the evenings, did they? So <laughs> Just come up with one-liners. <laughs> He's called your bluff, and now you have to think first. If you blow your whistle extra loud, little John may realise something's wrong and come to your rescue. But if you do, you'll lure the tax collector to the trap and blow the outlaw's chance for a surprise attack. So, do you want to face your captors alone, or do you signal for help? Hmm. Sounds like signalling for help might loop back to the timeline we were on before. Um, it does not. And what was the other option? Uh, risk facing your captors alone. That sounds really dumb. So let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You got yourself into this mess, and you're determined to get yourself out of it. <laughs> no, that's not the way you should think about these situations. <laughs> <laughs> you throw your whistle deep into the underbrush, so your captors can't use it to give your outlaw friends a full signal. I really like the image of that. Like you guys say, what are you going to do, play green sleeves off key? You go, bloody whistle! <laughs> I don't deserve this! <laughs> You're always doing this to me, Whistle. I never should have brought you here. <laughs> the captain of the guards ties you up and slings you across his saddle face down. Horse hair gets in your nose, and something in the, sh- in the saddle is jabbing into your stomach. I'll take the little thief back to Nottingham for trial, says the captain. No, the tax collector says. I need all my guards to get through the forest safely. Thieves are always hanged anyway. Let's do it now and save time. You gulp, then all of a sudden you realise what's jabbing you in the stomach. It's not the saddle at all. It's your pocket camera. Oh, yes. The camera. This piece... <laughs> Finally. Chekhov's camera. This piece of 20th century magic may be just the thing to save you. Stop, you cry. Lay one filthy finger on me, and you won't live long enough to regret it. I am the keeper of powerful magic. I am a dangerous witch. Oh, that's different, says the tax collector. Witches are burned alive. We haven't time for that. I guess I'll send you back to Nottingham for trial after all. This backfired. It has backfired. <laughs> Good reference ca- to uh, Chekhov's gun. Just, yeah, he started reading after that, but I thought that's clever. <laughs> this guy knows his Chekhov's stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chekhov's a good friend of mine. I keep asking him if I can borrow his gun, but he keeps telling me he'll need it later. <laughs> that's good. a joke I stole from Twitter. <laughs> the captain of the guard carries you back to Nottingham. He is so afraid of your magical powers that he never even unties your hands. You wonder if Little John and the outlaws were able to surprise the tax collector. Uh, but at the moment, you're more concerned about the nasty surprises that might await you. In Nottingham, you're thrown into a dungeon. Things do not look good. It seems you'll, as you'll either be hanged as a thief, or burned as a witch. You waste away in jail... <laughs> this is That's why they call it Choose Your Own Adventure, I suppose. <laughs> you waste away in jail for weeks. Finally, the sheriff sends for you. He is a fat man with little narrowed eyes. His purple velvet clothes are spattered with grease stains. 
So you claim you're a witch, he says. Can you prove it? Why should I, you ask? You'll only burn me. Not necessarily, he smiles an oily smile. I could use a witch. Not even the king has one. But it all depends on how powerful you really are. Is he telling you the truth? So we can either try to impress him with our powers, or we can say, not really a witch, mate. I think we've got to... I mean, I'm I'm powering towards the option that lets me flash this camera in this bastard's face. This <laughs> oily, smiling bastard's face. Yeah. Um, I, I reckon we boast about our witch powers as much as we can. Look how good of a witch we are. Click. Yeah. And I mean, Click. Like, just because it's in the past doesn't mean that they don't take things off you before they throw you in prison. Mm. Like, didn't they give you a pat down or something? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I know. We said that we're a witch, so they just want to keep as far away from us as possible in case they pray. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're going to find the remote control that's got the turn this person into a frog button on it. Because that's how all wizards and witches work, I expect. So, they've just got a remote control, like, like in click. Oh, I imagine you would have to... Yeah, I don't know. Do witches carry boxes that do spells? I'm not sure how you're going to explain how the magic is coming from a box <laughs> and it's not a... like from your fingertips. Yeah, that's a good point. My powers are so great, you say. I can call upon the sun at midnight. That is great indeed, says the sheriff, but he sounds as if he doesn't believe you. I'll return at that hour to witness this great magic. At midnight, he and his guards come to your cell. Show me the power of the sun, he demands. You take out your camera, switch it to flash and take his picture. When the flash goes off, the sheriff cringes from the glare. His guards duck, screaming, help, witchcraft! But the evil sheriff recovers quickly. Very good, he says, but not quite good enough. You can call upon light at midnight, but you cannot escape from this simple dungeon. Guards, burn this imp. Bugger. What, we're an imp now. That's, that's very different to a witch. It's <laughs> very is a rude of, of him demon. as well. Yeah. Like, he was asking for us to be a witch for him, but he didn't specify that, that was part of the test as well. Like. Yeah. But if you if you wanted us to be a good witch room, why would he expect us to escape as well? Oh, fucking sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, I felt we were we were lured into that with this false sense of our camera being awesome. Yeah, and in fact, the flash wasn't strong enough. I guess I, so, I can yeah. summon the I can summon the sun at midnight for one eight hundredth of a second. <laughs> yeah, you are dragged out to the courtyard and tied to a stake piled round with wood. Is there nothing that can save you? Even arts and crafts would be better than this. Mm. Oh, give me that igloo now. <laughs> Suddenly you remember the mysterious old man at Robin Hood's fire. The one Will Scarlet's called Nilrem. Could he possibly help you? If you spoke to him that night, turn to page 52. If you ignored him, turn to page 30. We spoke to him. We spoke. We did speak to him, so... The old man told you there were words of power that would help get you home. Words of your own making, what are they? Abracadabra, you're the only magic words you know. Nothing. Please and thank you. Walt Disney, Kirk to Enterprise. Open Sesame Street. Still nothing. Those are words of sorcery, the sheriff cries. Quick, light the fire. Guards are approaching with flaming torches. Oh, you cry. I wish I were back in camp, Yuchi Kui. Oh, yucky fooey. Suddenly there is a blinding blinding blaze of light, like 100 instamatic flashes all going off at once. (laughs) That's his reference for (laughs) everything now. (laughs) Like, the guy was just holding fire. (laughs) 
When you can see again, you're lying on the grass of the archery field. The magic words must have been yucky fooey. A light is coming towards you, but it's only a flashlight. The counsellors are all, looking, all out looking for you. You're going to be in big trouble for sneaking out after dark, but it's better than being burned at the stake. Maybe camp isn't so bad after all. Maybe that picture you took of the sheriff in Nottingham will come out. The end. Oh. Do you want to see what happens if you get burned at the stake? Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so if we didn't talk to him, this happens. Maybe old Nilram could have helped you, but there's nothing you can do about it now. Just in case they yell, Nilram, save me! The guards mutter uncomfortably. A witch indeed, that calls upon wizards and fair folk for aid. Come, let us light the fire, and quickly. They do! The end. <laughs> God. Oh. So that's what happens if you didn't talk to the sparkly-eyed man? Yeah. Um, then they just set you on fire at the stake and you burn to death. Which what, is... Can I see what happens if, when we're in the cell... And the Sheriff of Nottingham comes in and says, are you really a witch with the magical camera in your pocket? And you just go, no, I've not, I can't be asked being a witch. <laughs> it sounds like too much effort. Yeah. Yeah, give me a second, I'll try and track that, uh, that page down. This book's not so bad, I guess. I mean, I kind of thought that they'd be doing more with the camera instead of just going, yeah, I've got a camera, what of it? Yeah. But, oh well. I mean, yeah. I think they're right to... Well, actually, there was no... There's a... It relied a lot less on our archery ability than I had suspected yeah. it might. We haven't shot a single arrow, but presumably because if we shoot somebody with a burn arrow, then that will kill them. And the only people that are allowed to die in these books are yourself, horribly. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why that is. I was surprised that um, when I was talking to some of the original authors um, at the festival uh, last September, I was surprised at like, how few endings they actually tweaked or like had to remove because of how violent they were really? there's one where we yeah there's one more um in the fighting fantasy books where we got tied to a rock and then people dropped boulders on us and it was like some sort of game and everybody's really excited about it that was horrible that's and strange. i managed to get through so it feels that, like it's that that's where the variety in the endings comes from rather than the way you got there it's the way you end up yeah and the mode of your death is <laughs> well yeah they do brag about like how many different endings are in these like this one's got 33 different endings which mm. are actually they're pretty varied I've, i flicked through it a bit earlier to try and find some good endings and let me tell you there are some <laughs> okay sheriff you say i'll tell you the truth i'm not really a witch at all i only said it was because i knew those guards were too stupid to understand the truth not like you obviously you're intelligent and sophisticated a man of the world of course you lie, but the sheriff seems to like your flattery. I'm really a powerful scientist, you continue. It's not the same thing at all, as you know. No, of course not, says the sheriff, not wishing to appear a fool. But can a scientist help me to get power beyond my wildest dreams? Well, yes and no. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a stretch of the imagination. Oh yeah, yeah, scientist. You mean like the kind of scientist who give me everything I ever wanted and power beyond my wildest imagination? <laughs> yes, yes, that kind of scientist. Of course you've heard of them um, in the Middle Ages. <laughs> Can you give me power beyond my wildest dreams? Yes and no. I can give the, you the power of knowledge, you say, embarrassed to find yourself talking just like one of your teachers. And that's more than anyone else around here seems to have. Give me an example, he demands. You show the sheriff how the flash in your camera works. He now asks for an explanation. You use every big word you know. He is impressed and gives you your own tower room for scientific research. Everything will be fine until the batteries of your camera run out. Then maybe you can explain to him about static electricity. With 800 years of scientific knowledge behind you... All you have to do now is remember everything you learned in school. The end. Oh. 
there's a dinosaur comics about this. Uh, <laughs> which is a very popular t-shirt, which is what to remember if you are teleported back in time. Oh, yeah. With, with rudimentary knowledge of how science works. And uh, I can't remember <laughs> a single one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should go back in time whilst wearing that t-shirt, of course. Yes. It's just yeah, always you... worth a t-shirt. <laughs> you could go back and live like a king or be murdered for witchcraft. Yeah, I often do think what would happen if I travelled back in time with my mobile phone mm. and whether I could impress people with it until the battery ran out. Well, the battery on my iPhone's shot, so it only lasts for about four hours. Yeah. I mean, they would just think it's like a... Because it w- you wouldn't have 3G for a start. You'd probably yeah. just have GPRS. I don't know what they had back then. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like you're living in the dark ages. Yeah. <laughs> they probably just think it's a fancy torch. Mm. Oh, I mean, there is that. You, <laughs> That's good enough, yeah. I suppose. Go back with the flashlight, live like a king. I mean, to be fair, kings back then didn't have plumbing. Or they rarely took showers as well. So a, maybe living like a king back then isn't I so great. It's a lose-lose situation. <laughs> yeah, people you... keep trying to kill you. Yeah. So we lived out a life of science in a tower in this area. That's correct. Which isn't so bad, I guess. Seems quite safe, and I'm sure we're well looked after. I mean, we saw how much gold that tax collector had. And because we unsuccessfully stole the money, I mean, Mm. we didn't steal the money, that means all the money ended up in the the, the clutches of the king, which means... Coming back to us, yeah. yeah. So... So if you think about it, maybe capitalism isn't too bad after all. As long as you're on the winning side of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, do you want to go back right to the start of the book and, and try a different way through the thing? Yeah, um, how about, unless you have any ideas yourself, um, we could go do the arts and crafts. Yeah, that's what I like the sound of. Yeah. Okay. There was igloos, and there was a lovely reference to it when we were being set alight. <laughs> it's not really the time or place, uh, Miss Miss Ellen Kushner, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope that in my last moments I think about making arts and crafts as well. Mm. It'd be pleasing to me. When everyone's asleep, you, sh- you sneak out of your cabin. The full moon makes everything shine silver blue, but the forest looks dark and scary. You're not sure you want to enter it, arrow or no arrow. To give yourself courage, you get your bow and get some arrows from the sports shed. Then you begin your search. Before long, you come to a clearing circled with flowers. A birch tree gleams in the moonlight on the far side, and suddenly occurs to you that you'll never know if you're really good at archery unless you shoot at something besides straw-backed targets. Something more difficult like that birch. You fit an arrow to your bow and take careful aim. Just as you shoot, a cloud passes in front of the moon. Everything goes dark, but you hear a thunk. And when you see again, you see your arrow quivering to a tree. Fantastic! You're about to see if you can do it again when you hear a hissing sound. Another arrow has split yours down the middle. Oh, there's that foxy lad again. It's Robin. I imagine it's Robin. I hope it's Robin. You whirl around. No one's there. You seem to be alone in the moonlit clearing, but someone must have shot that arrow. And whoever he is, he's a better marksman than you, and his next arrow may be pointed straight at your heart. So we can either take our chance and run for cover, or we can put down our bow and arrows to show we mean no harm. Uh, I I like that you shot an arrow into a birch tree insofar as you gave that birch an arrow. Birches love arrows. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
So, put well, this is definitely Robin Hood because we've seen yeah. Into the Future. Put the arrow down, put the bow down, and succumb to uh, his his uh, intentions, his, his whims. <laughs> yes. You put on your weapons and stand there, defenseless in the moonlight. It's the hardest thing you've ever done. Nothing happens. The forest is silent. But you're sure you're not alone. The weird emptiness makes you think of the astronauts on the moon. Oh. I come in peace for all mankind, you say. Wrong book. Oh. <laughs> I hope our kid gets bullied by this guy. <laughs> no wonder we got shoved about by all the kids doing sports at the camp. Yeah. I come in peace for all mankind. Your throat is so dry it comes out a croak. But there's a rustling in the trees, and a form detaches itself from the dappled shadows. It is a man carrying a bow as tall as he is. Now by my faith, that was well said, he remarks. Peace for all mankind. A noble thought, but not very likely when a good King Richard is off fighting the Crusades, and fair England is bled dry by fat bishops and, wit- and wicked princes. Come, friend, I see your tongue is as skilled as your hand. What business have you with Robin Hood? This Robin Hood, he's, he's lit one string to his bow. <laughs> bloody wanking on about the aristocracy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It just sounds like he's reading from a script. Yeah. Like, this is all very much well-practiced. He he awaits these opportunities. Has he got nothing else going on in his life that he gives such a... He cares so much about the well-being of poor people. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of... <laughs> yeah, I thought there was a lot of burglary, but apparently he's just practising his speeches, so... <laughs> yeah. Robin Hood, you can't believe it. But Robin Hood was an English outlaw in the middle of age in the Middle Ages, you say. He died hundreds of years ago. The tall man laughs as though you'd made a really good a really good joke. <laughs> Not just a good joke. A really good Really joke. good one. <laughs> Did I indeed, young friend? I wish you would tell that to the Sheriff of Nottingham. Maybe then he and his knights would stop chasing me and leave sweet Sherwood Forest in peace. That was like imagine that, that was just the first thing you'd heard from the guy. That's a lot of exposition. Yeah. <laughs> they just dumped on just us. dropping the names of all of the recognisable characters yeah. and locations. <laughs> the wicked sheriff, you say, remembering the stories. Indeed, he is a wicked man, says Robin Hood. I see a no friend to him, and thus are friends to me. Now will you join my band of outlaws, or may I escort you to the outside of Sherwood Forest? The man seems real enough. Somehow, someway, you've been transported to the past. So we can follow his band, or we can try a fortune in some other part of merry old England. Mm, I, I do want to see what happens if we try and push the edges of this universe to breaking point. Forge but, our own path. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is the wider world beyond Sherwood Forest? Still within the Robin Hood universe, but what's going on in France? Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's go as far as we can away from Robin Hood. Yeah. Like, I think the last time this happened on the show, um, we ended up like becoming a knight in a medieval jousting tournament which ended up with me talking about a knight's tale for 10 minutes i do which, enjoy that film very yeah. much um i'm going i'm going to be recording an audio commentary of it at some point in the future i have decided i just need to find like the right cast of jokers to to associate with <laughs> me on the thing okay thanks you tell robin hood i guess i would like to see what else is happening around here swiftly and silently robin hood leads you through the forest dawn is breaking as you come to the edge of the woods you see a road, well-tended fields, and cattle grazing. A man is walking down the road, and he has a small harp slung across his back. Well, says Robin, it seems your first adventure will be musical. You turn to say goodbye, but he has already vanished into the forest. You step out onto the road, right in front of the minstrel. Oh dear, the minstrel says softly. Oh, there's a picture of him on this book as well, and he looks like Link from Legends Elder. Oh. 
He's kind of got pointy ears as well. Are the outlaws grown so bold that they leave Sherwoods to attack innocent travellers on the road? You realise you're still carrying your bow and arrows. I'm not a thief, you reassure him, and I mean you no harm. Good, he replies. After all, I have only this harp, and while I'm sure you pluck a, bo- a bowstring quite nicely, harp strings require a little more skill. Wow, that's rude. Yeah, this this guy. We require a different kind of skill, asshole. Yeah, but both you can't equally ju- valid and remarkable and worthwhile in their own rights. Let's not try and outdo one another. We've only just met. I've been told I could nearly shoot a bow as well as Judy back at camp. Yeah. So I think you, Mr. Minstrel, can piss off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want your harp, you say. I'm on the road looking for adventure. Let me come with you. I can protect you from the robbers. Indeed, he says with a smile. Well, I'm only adventuring the long way around the forest, to Nottingham Castle. There's to be a wedding there in a week or two, and minstrels are popular at weddings. I'll gladly accept your protection, if you'll accept a position as my apprentice in in return. I'll teach you to play the harp, and if you've any kind of voice, I'll be more than glad to let you sing for people when I play. But if you'd rather apprentice yourself to a knight, I pass one not a mile down the road. Right, so do we want to go with the minstrel, or do we want to try and find ourselves a knight? Well, I... I don't believe that's how minstrels <laughs> operate. They hear about weddings and they flock there. <laughs> <laughs> they migrate to weddings, yeah. Um, but I think I would like to be a minstrel rather than a knight. Yeah, it should be pretty fun. A knight seems a little bit too similar to an outlaw, because... doesn't it? Um, yeah. It's all combat. <laughs> it's all conflict and aggression. Minstrels spreading music and love and joy and stories. Whereas knights just spread swords. Yeah, I would like to think I'm a minstrel of sorts. Yeah. Minstrels spread violins, but knights spread violence. Oh, that's clever. That is good. Thank you. Did you steal that from a tweet? Or was that original? No. I think I I came up with that one. That's good. You should tweet it. I just... I I might. (laughs) (laughs) You set off down the road with your new companion. He tells you he's called Raven, and you can see why. His black hair shines like a raven's wing. Okay. To, to be frank, his hair didn't look black in the illustration, so... But whatever you say, Raven. Maybe you have to colour it in. It might be one of those Maybe, books. Maybe, yeah. There's a few books that I've uh, flicked through, and like the illustrations have been coloured in by a previous owner, and every time I see one of those, I melt. It's so adorable. Oh. You make your way slowly toward Nottingham stopping often to play for people in exchange for food or coins. True to his word, Raven gives you lessons on the harp. It's much harder than it looks. It has 25 strings, and your fingers keep getting lost and you play the wrong notes, but Raven is very patient. He also teaches you songs, by speaking the words and picking up the tunes on his harp. He says your voice is not bad, and sometimes he lets you sing for money, but he never, ever sings himself. One day you're having a very hard time learning a song. It's a wedding song, and Raven wants you to be able to perform it at Nottingham Castle. But you just can't get the tune right. Finally, in exasperation, he snaps at you. No, no, it goes like this. Listen. He opens his mouth to sing, but the sound that comes out is like a cross between a donkey braying and fingernails scratching on a blackboard. It sounds, in fact, a lot like a raven's croak. Oh. Oh. Raven's oh, wow. croak? Oh, hold on. Frog's croak. <laughs> <laughs> Raven glares at you as if he could oh, read um, your thoughts. Sorry, um, and that... Sorry? Um, I think Log's just turned up. Um, can I just let him in and I'll sit him down and I'll, we can go on for as long as he Do you can. want him to guest on this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let, All me, right, go let get me bring him. him in. Cool. And then he can help us out with any further 
Robin Hood related decisions. Hold on just one second. Hello, Log. Uh, hang on. Here he is. Hello, Log. Hello, Tom. How's it going? Mm, I'm alright, thank you. How are you? I'm quite good. Hello, listeners. It's John Bloody Blythe. <laughs> it only bloody is. <laughs> um, yeah. This is unprecedented. This is, this is the first for the show, but I'll allow it. So let's carry on, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a gracious game show host you are. <laughs> Alright, so where were we? Right, there's a lad called Raven. He tries to explain this song to us. He opens his mouth to sing, but the sound that comes out is a cross between a donkey braying and fingernails on a blackboard. It sounds like a raven's croak. Raven glares at you as if he could read your thoughts. And that, he says, was not even a very good joke when she thought of it. Who thought of it, you demand? What are you talking about? What happened to your voice? Oh. Oh. Raven puts down his harp to tell you the story. The queen of the fair folk is a beautiful lady with good taste in music and a nasty temper. Once I was known as the greatest singer in the land. Then the queen herself came to me and by magic took me away to her court to sing for her. I served her seven years and at the end of that time I begged to be allowed to return to the world of men. In a rage she let me go, but she vowed that I would never sing again as I had sung for her. Raven sighs. Her magic is a powerful thing, as you yourself should know. Why me, you ask? I may have lost my voice, he answers, but I haven't lost my sight. Oh, it's my reason. I've been watching you for days. You're not, you're not stupid, but I've had to explain things to you that any three-year-old should know. It's perfectly plain that this is not your world, and that the fair folk have brought you here. He clears his throat. Now that you're here, I wish you'd pay some attention to learning the wedding song, or you'll both serve when we get to Nottingham. Also, Nottingham? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is about uh, Robin Hood and the Outlaws of Sherwood Forest. So, oh, oh inter- very good. We've, I was also yeah. going to say, is it an audio book or choose your own adventure book? <laughs> <laughs> we have steered so far away from the Robin Hood narrative now that we've left Sherwood Forest and become a minstrel instead. <laughs> yeah, we have actually waved goodbye to Robin Hood and we're forging our own path now. Cool. It's it's clear that Raven doesn't want to say any more about the Fair Folk, whoever they might be. But if he's right, and if they really did bring you here by magic, then you need to know more so you can get back home. Imagine that. Oh yeah, in in this reality we haven't met the glistening-eyed man who gave us the magic words to go home. Yeah, and his name was Nelrim. No? Nelrim. I don't know what that could possibly mean, Mm. but... If oh, I haven't so- seen it written oh, down, ooh, so now yes, I've, I've, just... I've imagined what the word looks like, and now I get it. It's like Zilbog <laughs> in the yeah. film Troll 2. <laughs> I, okay, I, th- I think I mentioned this before on the show, I really, really, really like the film Troll 2, and I have considered getting Nilbog tattooed on my chest, so I never look at myself in the mirror, it'll say Goblin backwards. <laughs> or whenever you're running after a car and they look at you in their rear view mirror. <laughs> <laughs> if these so-called fair folk brought me here from the future, I'll just have to get them to send me back, you say firmly. Don't even think about trying to make them do anything, says Raven. They are powerful and full of strange jests. I tried to make them return me to Earth, and look what they did to me. Yes, you say, and it was a rotten thing to do. We've got to find some way to make them give you back your voice. Raven smiles sadly. Child, you have already been touched by fairy magic, do not. Fairies, you cry. Is that what the... (laughs) Fairies! Is that what the fair folk are? Just a bunch of fairies? Little things with wings that sit around on mushrooms and talk to butterflies? That stuff's for kids. I also imagine that our guy's just going, piss off. This is bullshit. I'm leaving. <laughs> How did he suddenly get so invested in fairies? <laughs> he just hates them. He's so furious about the entire concept of fairies existing. Yeah. Suddenly you hear a sweet jingling sound. Coming towards you across the field is a beautiful woman on a white horse. The horse's bridle is strung with hundreds of tiny silver bells. Mortal child, she says in a scornful voice. What is your business with the fair folk's queen? 
She doesn't have wings, and she wouldn't fit on a mushroom, and her expression is anything but sweet, but she does seem to have come and answered her wishes. So you can either ask her to take the spell off of Raven's voice, or you can ask her how to get back to our own time. Be careful what you choose, Steve, because your decision may involve long tracts of text. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Raven seems to really turn on us in the last couple of paragraphs. He was kind. He bragged about his harp abilities a little bit at the beginning. Hmm. But now he's really got one up his nose about these fairy folk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when all said and done, I think the man deserves his voice back. Yeah, we're kind of... I think we've already discovered there are several ways out of this universe that don't involve fairy folks interfering with us whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, including just lying down in a field for a little while. Yeah. So so we'll do that thing then. Mm -hmm. Give the man his voice back. He deserves a break. You're determined to get Raven's voice back. Before you ask the Queen for any favours, you'd better butter her up. You bow low and say... <laughs> so she slides along the floor really easily. <laughs> Just part of the ritual, dear. Just acquiesce, please. Grab her by the, by, the, by the scruff of her neck and bowl her down a road. <laughs> you bow low and say, Gracious lady, forgive my rude disbelief. The tales told in my time don't do justice to your beauty and majesty. The corner of the Queen's mouth quirks in a pleased smile. Your Majesty, you continue, I beg you to grant me this request. Give my friend Raven back his gift of song. Is that all, bold mortal? she asks. You wish nothing for yourself? Well, yes, you confess. But Raven first. She looks closely at you. You are unusually generous for one of your kind. Most mortals are quick to ask favours only for themselves. You please me well, and I will grant you the wish of your heart. But what about Raven, you ask? Ah, says the Queen. Fuck you, loser. (laughs) Ah, says the Queen, but you see, he did not please me. So, yeah, apparently, just piss off Raven. You deal with it. I like how selfless you are, so I will grant you your second wish, not your first. There is a moment of darkness, then you suddenly find yourself sitting on your bed at camp. Your counsellor is telling you to hurry up because the bus leaves for home in an hour. No one seems to have noticed that you've been gone the last two weeks. The Queen of Fair Folk has truly granted you the wish of your heart. Camp is over. The end. So there we go. The wish of our heart wasn't just to go back home. It was also not to have to be at camp any longer. We got that. Hooray. I wonder if part of the magic was a bit where people didn't realise you were gone or if that's just incredibly sad. (laughs) (laughs) Judy's just the only one that noticed us missing. She's there going, wow, where's that archery kid? He was all right, I suppose. She's probably quite pleased that there's no one rivaling her archery abilities anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to call it there, do you think, or should we go uh, one more? Actually, we could just look up some of the best deaths in here. You go, you go through some of the deaths, I think. Yeah. Cool. There's 33, you said? There's 33 possible endings, and there we've already seen a few of them. So Healthy split okay. between living and um, we've seen being burnt alive and stake, being eaten alive by mice. Are there any bittersweet fail endings, fail successes? Um, yeah, there was one in which the Sheriff of Nottingham locked us in a tower to become his in-house resident scientist Yeah, for oh. the rest of time. But I'm but, assuming our character loved science. Uh, we yeah. loved being like lying to people and saying, yeah, we know everything about science. Mitochondria, there's one. Yeah, <laughs> there's one. Star I, could, I could do that again if I wanted. <laughs> Ectoplasm, that's probably the thing, isn't it? <laughs> I guess ghosts. Imagine that. <laughs> All right, this is what happens if we um try to 
assigned the, the the attention of the guards when we were sitting on the back of the Sheriff of Nottingham's horse. No, the tax collector's horse, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Before the guard can stop you, you blow your bird's call whistle loudly. Many times, so the outlaws will know you're in trouble. A signal, the captain cries. There must be more of them in Sherwood. Out with your swords, men. For a moment, all is still in the forest. You begin to think no one will come. Then an arrow whistles out from among the trees and lands right beside you. Wisely, the horses are staying in the woods. That way the horsemen can't get at them without being an easy target for their bows. Realising Mr. John's plan, the captain scoops you up and sets you in front of him on, on his horse. Now your friends can't shoot at him without the risk of harming you. Let the youth go and we'll cease shooting, Mr. John shouts in the woods. Never, the captain calls back. Your friend goes to Nottingham to be hanged as an example to all outlaws. Quickly, Little John shoots an arrow low to spook the horse and keep the captain from riding away with you. It only grazes the horse's skin, but maddened by fear and pain, the animal plunges wildly, and John's next arrow accidentally hits you in the chest. The oh. screams you the screams you hear are your own. Oh, the end. No. I really wanted the very first arrow that landed after you blew the bird call whistle at the wrong time to have a little note attached which just saying you are really bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go down the whistle and into your neck. <laughs> mm. So that was kind of rough. I mean, um, this book was actually donated to us generously by a listener and friend of the show, Alice, who is on Twitter at Stay Tiny. She is lovely. And she told me about that ending in advance because of how violent the only the only screams you hear are your own. That's yeah. rough. Well, if you're screaming, it kind of drowns out the screams of other people. That's true. Depends, how, depends how loud you scream and depends how loud they're screaming as well. Why would they, yeah, I mean, that's true. I don't think I, I can't that. <laughs> no, no one fires an arrow at someone, sees it goes in, and then starts screaming. <laughs> no, but imagine if they did. Just oh, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I really messed Me up too. this time, guys. Oh no. All right, I don't know how we get to this one. You take out your camera. If you stay in the shadow of the wall, maybe no one will notice you. You look through the viewfinder. The pro- the procession is so large, you'll have to take several shots to get it all in. You click and click away until you feel a hand on your shoulder. What toy is this, young page? A guard asks. It's an instamatic, you say nervously. Some Latin word, perhaps, he says. I have no learning, not like you great folk. Well, get along to your duties if you have a chance to look at the prince at the dinner. You're so nervous you can't keep from fiddling with the camera. Without meaning to, you push a button and the flash goes off. In the dark shadows, it seems very bright. Sorcery, the guard shouts. Help, ho, a plot to assassinate the prince. Your trial comes between the dancing bear and dinner. The sheriff is impatient to get back to his important guest and start eating, so he makes it short. Because of your youth, I will be merciful, he says. You will be hanged immediately instead of burned at the stake. The end. <laughs> also, Instamatic will be Greek, so... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Read a book. <laughs> not, not this one, though. <laughs> Read I, a book is not... Read another book. <laughs> I really appreciate like the trial of a witch between the dancing bear and dinner. Like that's <laughs> we didn't really have very much going on in our life, did we? And eating the gold coins. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's what the tax collectors were doing, by the way, log. Oh really? Yeah, it's what, real messed up. But... He wasn't just making a Christmas gold coin chocolate joke. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was meant to be. I don't know. It was already Symbolic. established in <laughs> it was established in the canon of the podcast that the sheriff of Nottingham was just eating gold coins whole, wholesale. Um, you just found them delicious. <laughs> uh, that's the gold standard right there. That's why they're so obsessed with it. Okay, so one more, one more ending. I think we should do the book report. Okay, I don't know, no idea who this person is, but at first, Sir Guy is furious. 
Actually, it's probably to do with the, the knights that we can meet. After a while, he calms down, and you're able to explain that Marion really isn't his type. Well, I did find her a little, ah, energetic and, uh, hot-tempered, he admits, but I was sure she'd settle down once we were married. Never, you say firmly. You would have made each other miserable. That may be so, he says sadly, but I will love her forever, and if I can't have her, I shall marry no other. Your mission is accomplished. You freed Marion, but now you feel sorry for Guy, so you offered to keep him company for a while. As it turns out, sure when he's not being... <laughs> oh no! Protective of him around Marion's <laughs> around. <laughs> oh, protagonist! As it turns out, when he's not being mushy about his lost love, he's a pretty nice guy, and the two of you become good friends. He never does marry, and when he dies, he makes you his heir. The end. Good grief! <laughs> Sir Guy never marries after the romance of the century. Yeah. yeah. I that felt like I was with them on the deathbed, having to get <laughs> to know them so well. We never even came close to meeting a man called Guy. I'm pretty sure that was the night we could have met instead of Raven, oh, the, yeah. the the minstrel. That makes sense. So yeah, uh, book report. What do you think of that then? That was okay, I guess. I liked it. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I feel like I've been here for 20 minutes and I think we only made one decision. <laughs> <laughs> you came in right at the end of that one, unfortunately. Like... No, no, no worries. I learned about... One of uh, the band of merry men, Alan. Yeah, but I just, I'd Alan Adale. Alan Adale. He, yeah, yeah. he exists. See, Log's Log's seen the film. He's from Nottingham. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we're bored over this. We've got pubs and roads named after these pricks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that the original Disney film was like such a cultural, like had such a cultural impact on you that um, people started falsifying records saying it was written hundreds of years ago. But here we are. <laughs> Let's not have them being hot foxes. Let's make them human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so Mark's out of five for that then? I'm going to give it four stars from me. Well considered four, Steve. Yeah. Because yeah, I think the true mind of a critic working there. Oh, yeah. Think... I mean, <laughs> room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. <laughs> of course. Um, it was hardly the, the masterpiece that they were looking for, but. <laughs> I think they, they're a little bit late to the, uh, to the Robin Hood. Like, the. Did you say the film, the Disney film, had come out like ten years beforehand? Uh, seventy-three, I think we said. Yeah, nineteen seventy-three, and that was eighty-six. It shouldn't have taken them that long to get around to a to to catch the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because all of that's out of copyright, isn't it? Anyone can just knock yeah, out I, an old Robin Hood book. I think that the yeah. Sheriff of Nottingham is a like, a, not open source, but like public domain public villain, domain. like like Dracula. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just imagined a crossover. And it's just an <laughs> as well. You can't stop people referring to a job, can you? That's a good point, yeah. A job and a place. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoyed that. It was pretty good fun. And I liked little stuff with the, fair, with the fair folk. And I also appreciated that Raven got embarrassed when, by having a rubbish singing voice. So you <laughs> know what? Can I just ask, was, Ra- was Raven a prick who deserved the, the disparaging comments of this this woman? I think it's just that the fairy folk are awful and rubbish, and they take great pleasure in in teasing people. They're just uh, their entire life is like a monkey's poor style wish. So, uh, capricious folk. I was going to say capricious. Capricious. <laughs> you can see why we're friends, and he just comes around to my house every now and then. Well, of course, <laughs> podcasts that I'm guessing on podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, next you're going to be on This American Life. (laughs) (laughs) Guesting on the series finale of of Serial, it's John Blythe here to talk about his pub. 
Yeah. I've got a very, very sound theory on how this all went down. Yeah. <laughs> came in one night. Yeah. <laughs> Ira Glass did it. <laughs> all right, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoyed that one. I like time travel stories, and I like being called a wizard, and I like our camera being the Chekhov's gun in this I one. So I'm going to give it one five out of five. I do like it when a piece of modern technology is used to convince idiots in the past that you have magical powers. That's just yeah. such a good. Trope. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think we should probably call it there. Is there anything you'd like to plug, Steve? Um, well, seeing as half of it is here and we're about to record an episode, <laughs> uh, the Regular Features Podcast. Yeah. So you can find that at regularfeature.es. Yes, yes, regular features with the dot before the es. Yeah, that's a much easier way of saying it. Look, <laughs> yes, it's longer but easier to understand. We thought it was yeah. clever when we did it. Uh, it's well, it looks great written down. Those people in Spain who are hosting it haven't got a clue what it's all about. <laughs> this is just people talking felt for three hours yeah, in a language we don't even talk properly. <laughs> <laughs> not, not properly, no. No, they haven't. I'm pretty that. sure they're talking about filth. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Go listen to Regular Features. Also, if you'd like, then we've both got Patreons. You can patreon.com slash regularfeatures and patreon.com slash adventurepod and you can give money to the pair of us if you'd like. Or if you'd or just hand to... your money over to someone in real life, why not come to my pub and I'll give you something back? <laughs> Rather than just some podcast that people are doing anyway. For free. <laughs> come to my pub where I give you genuine goods and services. Oh, that genuinely seemed like a novel idea. <laughs> giving money and getting something exclusive that you wouldn't normally have. <laughs> well, of course. No one else is going to have that, that single pint unless you share it. So, there you go. And I think that's... I've been talking for long enough because I love the Santa Iron voice. So I'm going to say goodbye to all the folks at home. Thanks for coming on, Steve. And Thank Log. you. Thank you for having me. I've had a really yeah. good time. Thank you. Let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. Wink. And thank you for accepting my invasion at the last minute. And the pub's name is the King William the Fourth, <laughs> Andrew Street, Nottingham. And thank you at home for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.